Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to the last ever Bugle <laughs> before my summer holiday. Uh, there will be further Bugles after. Uh, I'm Andy Zaltzman, and we are here in London, where I'm emphatically not going to be uh, from Monday uh, for, for two weeks, um, as I decompress from my uh, ludicrous summer of excessive cricket watching. Um, London still, uh, to update you from last week, still awaiting liberation, airdrops, anything from the international community as our democracy has been ripped from us. Come on, what the f*** could Berlin have that we don't? Um, at least we're still Cricket World Cup champions, there's always that. Um, I'm joined today from all corners of the earth, well, Australia and the USA, which covers most corners of the earth, I think. Uh, firstly, here in the studio, yet another Australian comedian who is coming over here doing their own job, entertaining our women and children. Um, it is uh, Tom Ballard. <laughs> Why aren't I entertaining the men? Well, I mean, that's always the complaint, isn't it? Coming over here, taking our, stealing our women, children, jobs, potatoes, whatever it is. Stealing our children? Uh, I don't know, I'll forget. I'm a bit out of the loop. you got, I'm, I'm you getting, got to get your racist tropes I'm right getting there. ready for Boris's Britain. It doesn't matter what you say, it's all about the tone you say it. A pleasure to be here in this shitty country, Andy. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Welcome uh, welcome back. How's, um, how's Australia been? Oh, just loving it too. <laughs> we had an election this year, I'm sure it was covered on the show, in which we had a chance to make things marginally better and we said no thanks. <laughs> no thanks! <laughs> so it's lovely to be here where you guys have really leaned into that. Yes, a dance as old as democracy itself. <laughs> <laughs> the self-hating tango of politics. And joining us from the west coast of the USA, uh, San Francisco, is the man who is half intergovernmental military alliance half crucial part of a golf course it's nato green hello andy hello buglers glad to be back with you uh, great great to have you uh, uh, nato you are um well, what i mean we're already deep into the afternoon here in london uh, early morning in in san francisco how's you know how's today been so far over there uh uh so far it's amazing i woke up i made a pot of coffee I'm tooling around in the house in my uh, Star Wars pajamas. Uh, I'm glad you finally got a uh, break from cricket, Andy. I have a question, though. Oh, right. Okay, good. Can you tell me why is cricket called cricket? Oh, you can't ask questions like that. I mean, it just is. You know, that's just the way that the fates decided it. I'm not sure. I think it's something. I've always assumed it's something onomatopoeic, a ball hitting a bat and the echo off. And it makes that noise, history. cricket. Cricket. Yep. God. <laughs> you sound disgusted by that. that. That story is as boring as the game itself. Personally, I don't really understand sports. I don't follow sports. I, I prefer to derive my sense of self-worth from my own achievements. <laughs> um, I don't need to watch anyone else's physical attainment to justify my, my heavy drinking. Uh, I do like the experience of being a fan, though. Uh, I, root, I root for one team, and it's the global working class who... <laughs> I believe just took all the wickets in Puerto Rico. <laughs> well, you know that's the, the joy of sport, isn't it? It's good to support an underdog. I mean, they're on a bit of a losing run. The working yeah, class they've had a rough season. That one. Well, they've had a, they've had a rough start to the millennium. I think I'll be was it eight or ten millenniums in a row that they've they've really struggled to get out of the blocks early. This is the one I think. And uh, I know, but next time, man. Right. Next time, <laughs> this year, this is our year. <laughs> I'm actually in the UK on a working visa, and that visa allows me to do any work that complies with British or EU regulations, except a professional sports person or sports coach. <laughs> Gutted! That was going to be my fallback if comedy didn't work for right. I was going to coach Scunthorpe United. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one sport joke I have, everyone. Right. 
That's, it's good. You know, that can be a gateway, Tom. To, <laughs> to you embracing the, the, the true way. Um, we are recording on the 26th of July. On this day in 1745 was the first recorded women's cricket match. Um, and just 254 short years later, the MCC allowed women in the pavilion at Lord's. <laughs> Who says you can't hurry progress? Uh, this is uh, Bugle 4116 for the week beginning Monday, the 29th of July. On this day in the year 238, uh, in Rome, the two emperors... They had two emperors at the same time. It was the year of the sixth emperors, 238. That's a lot of emperors to get through in a year. Pupianus, uh, that is his correct name, what? and uh, Balbinus. Come on. Uh, were, well, dragged through the streets and executed. That's got to be a disappointing day when you're an emperor. I mean, how do you take the positives out of that in a press conference after it? You know, something to take away and build on. I don't know. <laughs> It's bad, it's a bad day. And they were replaced to really add insult to uh, fatal injury by a 13-year-old. I guess, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Gordian III, proclaimed emperor. Youngest sole legal Roman emperor. Uh, what a terrific, <laughs> terrific effort from the young lad. They got through six emperors in the year 238. Uh, that's, a, that's a high rate of turnover for that's emperors. But, is, I mean, would that... You know, we've, we've just got onto our second prime minister of the year and... Frankly, if I could be promised that by the end of the year we'd have had six, I would be absolutely f***ing delighted. Emperor is like the gig economy. It's like driving for Uber. <laughs> well, to be honest, it was pretty much like that uh, in ancient Rome in the 3rd century. They got through... I, can't, I remember talking about this on the Bugle years ago. They got through something like 30 emperors in about 70 years and only two of them died of natural causes. That's, uh, that's, that's, that is the way to do politics. Don't let anyone settle in and get comfortable. All right, Andy's views do not reflect those of other guests on the podcast who may or may not be here on a working visa and could be deported and merely suggest the idea that a certain prime minister should be in any way executed like a Roman no, emperor. I'm not saying they should be executed. I'm just saying short terms of office could be the way to go forward. <laughs> the Praetorian Guard, no less, uh, stormed uh, the palace and captured... Pupianus and Balbinus, the two emperors, dragged them through the streets of Rome and executed them. Which, I, I cannot accept that that is his name. Yep. Spell it for me. P-U-P-I-E-N-U-S. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say the other guy is named Balpinus? <laughs> He's heading that way. Um, anyway, no wonder they were, uh, you know, just to bring some dignity back to the office of uh, emperor, they were executed and replaced by a 13-year-old. That is a bad day. Bad day as an emperor. If you think you've had a bad day today, it was not as bad as Pupianus on the 29th of July. Did the 13-year-old name Pupianus? Uh, <laughs> you just... Uh, and by that stage, Roman pretty much clocked off in terms of making any sense. Yeah, they're done. Yeah. A section in the bin this week. There is no section in the bin this week due to time constraints. <laughs> Stroke me waking up late. Last bugle before holiday. I've never seen that in actual paper. Just right. a section blank going, nah, I was a bit tired. <laughs> Holidays on Monday. Well, I mean, t- t- newspapers could do, could should do that. <laughs> it should be shorter. Yes. I mean, does anyone really need a fashion section? Is there not? <laughs> are there not enough different clothes in the world already? There, there are definitely enough recipes in the world. Sure. And yeah. enough, how you know, looking at other people's houses. Yeah. Just, just leave it blank. Let people colour it in. Write, write your own news. Just every newspaper now should have a fake news page that is just left blank. Leave a space for a headline, you can draw a little cartoon and just write your own news. Make the world better for yourself. <laughs> Top story this week. Um, the experiment is complete. Um, the two twin embryos developed in a Soviet lab sometime in the 1940s, secretly infiltrated into the USA and the UK, are now President and Prime Minister, respectively. We did it! 
it, everyone. Oh, tasked with fulfilling the dreams of their supporters and power-humping their countries back to a mythical Elysian past that never even came close to truly existing. Tom, you've come to Britain at an interesting time in our um, democratic mm. history, for want of a, um, two better words. Obviously, democracy has always been a little bit of a sham, but a big bit of a sham, but now the Shamsers are at least having the bare-faced balls to sham it up shamily with quite brazen sham shamelessness. In a way, maybe we should just appreciate their openness and honesty. No more pretense, just a flat out, no questions answered, cards under the table, balls in the whiskey glass, travesty. <laughs> um, so, I mean, Tom, as, a, as, a, as an outsider, I mean, you, you are used to changing prime ministers sure. in Australia on an almost weekly basis. We love it over there. Um, from one inadequate to the next. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, I think what surprised most people is, you know, having gone from various inadequates to the next, the extent to which we've gone... Even more inadequate. Yeah. With uh, with Boris, I mean, what's what's the uh, as a representative of the global community? <laughs> what is the outsider's view of our unelected? I actually, I think it's a beautiful story. I think it right. sends a you, wonderful message. Uh, you're going to have to f- flesh out your working. Well, on this I'm one. just saying to all the children out there across the UK, it just says that no matter who you are or where you're from, you're because <laughs> Boris Johnson is the prime minister. <laughs> That's that's inspiring. At last, equality. Equality. You call him Bojo. This is this is good actually. Here's Boris Johnson. He's Bojo. We have yep. Scott Morrison in Australia. We call him Scomo. Yep. Donald Trump is the president, and we call him racist <laughs> and a stupid fucking <laughs> head who's stupid in the head and is fucked and is dumb and shit and bad. Yep. So it's actually funny how we all sort of lined up that way. Yeah. Interesting. That's all the stars aligning. I'm NATO from uh, from America. Is uh, I mean, is Boris Johnson the sort of <laughs> the Trump you could have had? The, <laughs> Uh, still c**ty, but slightly less c**ty than, the, than than your own version. He was born in America. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that oh, that is a bullet we really could have dodged. <laughs> don't don't blame us for this. This is your problem. <laughs> Leave us out of it. I'm not usually trying to be so petty, but Boris Johnson is uncommonly ugly. Like. <laughs> If a casting director put out a casting call for an unattractive British person and he showed up, they'd say, no, that's too on the nose. Uh, <laughs> I said I wanted an ugly British person, so like this, but less so. Um, <laughs> so that's mostly what we think about when we see Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson looks like if you shot Donald Trump out of a cannon. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you dreamed of that happening? <laughs> it was a huge day, the whole sort of transition. I don't know if you saw Theresa May giving her final address outside of uh, Downing Street. A protester yelled out, stop Brexit! And May said, I think the answer to that is, I think not. Which was actually recorded as the most vicious and devastating burn in British <laughs> political history. Oscar Wilde's ghost heard that and said, bit harsh. And his speech was very, uh, was very inspiring, I thought. He said, our job is to deliver Brexit by October 31st. I just love that people are still using the term deliver in <laughs> reference to Brexit. That kind of implies that it's like a delicious pizza that people have ordered and just can't wait for it to... It's a shit pizza, Boris. You're not deliver. You will inflict the pizza. You will unleash the Brexit pizza. You will defecate the pizza. You will be the harbinger of Brexit, I think. Right. I mean, I always saw it more as some kind of freakish alien baby that has now been gestating for three years and God knows what the fuck is going to emerge when it is finally delivered. Boris uh, Boris Johnson's uh, in his inaugural uh, speech promised to give Britain the leadership it deserves. I, 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 I thought Theresa May was already doing that. I mean, <laughs> we deserve even worse than that? 
I know we've been naughty, but not surely not that bad. Uh, she, he said, thank you all for the incredible honour you have done me to the 90,000 people who've elected him. Uh, he said, the time for campaigning is over um, and the time for work begins. I mean, bear in mind, he has been Foreign Secretary. <laughs> Only now <laughs> does work begin. The work to unite our country uh, <laughs> and party. Uh, deliver Brexit and defeat Corbyn. So he wants to unite the country and deliver Brexit. Those two are not compatible things. No. Uh, indeed, as I've said many times before, uh, uh, Britain, I'm not sure Britain has ever been united and that it has in common with essentially every other country that has ever existed, will will ever exist or currently exists. Countries that aren't united, are they? But how united is Australia? Um, we were united uh, at the Olympics for about a, a day. I think you guys were united on the um, Bodie McBoatface thing. I think that was a moment when you yeah. all came together and enjoyed that. Yeah, actually, the, the London Olympics. I mean, apart from the resentment that it was all happening in London from other parts of the country. Oh, sure. Um, you know, everything happens in London. The government's um, Boris Johnson's just announced it's just going to build a new high-speed rail link. It's just going to go round and round London. <laughs> 24-hour train just going absolutely nowhere and ending up back in uh, back in King's Cross. Brilliant. Um, NATO, I mean, how, America, of course, is famous for uh, the um, unwritten ironic quote marks around the United of its name. Um, do, do you look at Britain now and think that you know, we're, we're challenging you for most inappropriate use of the word United in the title of a country? Yeah, whenever people say that they want to unite the country, I, I always think, do, do I want that? Uh, there are some people I really don't want to be united with. I mean, I don't know if this story's made it across the water, but I would rather not be part of a united country with, say, Jeffrey Epstein noted billionaire and child rapist like can we leave him out of the unity you know if there's any if if there's ever any political venn diagram where jeffrey epstein and me are in the same thing then something has gone horribly wrong so i actually think that that united should not be a goal of politics uh i think defeat of evil should be the goal perhaps justice i would take justice competence would be nice uh not unity he said that his job is to deliver Brexit by October 31st, but then he also said by 2050 it is more than possible that the United Kingdom will be the greatest and most prosperous economy in Europe. So apparently by 2050 the UK will go back in, in what I assume will be a rebrentry. <laughs> He's very optimistic. He said that by 2050 the UK is going to become the greatest place on earth. Now, unfortunately, by 2050, that's going to be a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> like most of the earth will be underwater, on fire, covered in the carcasses of dead bees. And no doubt America will still be suffering under the fourth term of a Jeffrey Epstein presidency, NATO. So oh. <laughs> that could be an issue. Bor I, I read Boris Johnson said he was um, going to take the UK out of the EU by October, quote, do or die. That sounds like a good basis for a second referendum, uh, whether Boris Johnson should do or die. Yeah. I think there would be probably a landslide vote <laughs> if people had the option of voting for Boris Johnson to die. Well, you've got to respect the will of the people. Um, his cabinet has uh, recently announced him, and he culled pretty much everyone in the cabinet, which usually you wouldn't be that upset about, um, other than what they've been replaced with. Um, it's very much a cabinet... Uh, well, it's essentially it's a who's who of who shouldn't be who. Um, <laughs> Dominic Raab, back, didn't know Dover was an important port. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg is now... Cabinet... How is this... How do I explain this... He's barely even a one-dimensional caricature. I have to sit my children down and say, yeah, this, you know, I've told you it's important to live in a democratic, free society. 
than that and now this. It's, it's very difficult for me. Are those glasses he's wearing, or are they two separate monocles that have just slowly <laughs> fused together with the power of inbreeding? Is that how they he's come around? It was a big reshuffle. Uh, half the cabinet went. What, a Conservative MP, Nigel Evans, described the change as a summer's day massacre, which, you know, if you're going to have a massacre, sun's out, guns out. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, isn't it? Pretty Patel is the Home Secretary. What do you think of her? Well, um, I, mean, I mean, I mean, she's clearly very good at multitasking as she's been being paid a ridiculous amount of money for doing odd jobs on the side. Uh, <laughs> how much f***ing free time do you have? <laughs> uh, Boris Johnson, um, despite appointing this cabinet of flounderingly incompetent toadies and barely hinged fantasists and uh, with uh, Brexit masterminding democracy manipulating uber-shyster Dominic Cummins uh, pulling the strings behind the harrowing scenes in accordance with the democratic will of the people, of course, Boris Johnson has surprisingly pledged that this heralds the start of a new golden age for Ooh. Britain. A new British golden age, which one assumes has made the rest of the world think, you reckon we're going to fall for that shit again? No <laughs> chance, unless you've created an even better sport than cricket, which of course is philosophically impossible. <laughs> Some people are very excited about Boris getting the top job, uh, including Quillette columnist and extremely popular friend magnet Toby Young. Did you see this? Oh, I missed this actually. You've read a profile about Boris Johnson recalling when he, Toby, first met him at Oxford and he found him to be, quote, fizzing with vim and vinegar, bursting with spunk, as he once put it, explaining why he needs so many different female partners. Bursting with Spunk was your first Edinburgh show. Is that right, Andy? <laughs> or is that rupturing with jism? I always get them confused. I forget which one was which. Well, I mean, I did two shows that year. So. <laughs> Toby Young also described Boris as a cross between Hugh Grant and a silverback gorilla. Richard Curtis, do not write that film. <laughs> Put the pen down. <laughs> Bursting with Spunk, Andy. Well, I mean, that's good because there was talk of a sperm shortage, actually, after Brexit. Right, well, we, we, to, we stuck that, I guess. We won't be able to import all the Danish sperm that has been <laughs> supplying our IVF clinics. Andy, I have spent literally months trying to work out a joke about Brexit and the problem of the Irish backstop and neatly connecting both to the expression, the Irish goodbye, uh, which, if, uh, if you don't know, refers to leaving a party without saying goodbye. In other words, the exact opposite of Brexit, which is an interminable and public embarrassment of a goodbye. And the irony of an expression about leaving a people oppressed by Britain, representing the opposite of the British politics of leaving. But the joke itself collapsed under the absurdity of its own contradictions. And I keep hoping the EU will put me out of my misery. <laughs> Set up punchline. First rule of comedy. Uh, um, uh, NATO, uh, obviously we're not the only democratic um, country in the world. Uh, you in America, of course, are greatest democracy in the world, uh, trademark. And uh, gearing up for a presidential election uh, next year, obviously the prospect of a second term for Donald Trump is um, deeply unappealing for approximately 7 billion people in the world. Is there anyone who can stop him? You've been looking at the Democratic primaries for us as the uh, Bugle American politics correspondent. Uh, yes, uh, there are, there are uh, some people who think that they can stop him. In fact, about 25 of them. Uh, there are, at this point, uh, more Democrats running for president than there are Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> Which is too many. In fact, there are so many Democrats who are just white guys whose names I can't remember. If there was the seven dwarves of boring white guy Democratic presidential candidates, like, you, you know how you always forget one? Like, there's grumpy, sleepy, bashful, happy, de Blasio, 
Joe Biden and Doc. <laughs> Everyone always forgets de Blasio. And so, and then, like, if you remember the part of the movie, The Seven Dwarves, Biden is the one who keeps rubbing Snow White's shoulders when she did not ask him to. Um, so, and I was trying to figure out, like, are any of these people even popular? So The Economist just did a poll, and 11 of these people are polling at zero. 11 of them. Do you realize how hard it is to poll at zero? Particularly when the margin of error is plus or minus 2%. Uh, <laughs> it means that you could be at negative two percent and you're in england and tom you're not from australia there's no reason that you even need to be aware of the name of the former congressman from montgomery county maryland who's running for president it's john delaney but it doesn't matter he's polling at 0.6 percent 0.6 percent and to give you a sense of how low that is in the very same poll 2% of Americans said that they see France as an enemy. So, <laughs> France, France. These are people who think that their stinky cheeses are a threat to the American way of life. So, if 2% of Americans say that they see France as an enemy, it means that 2% of Americans are just crazy and confused and will say anything. So, if Don, John Delaney is polling at 0.6%, it means that even people who believe that aliens live among us and are on the U.S. Supreme Court are like, nah, Delaney is too sketchy for me. That's too far. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with these aliens. <laughs> so, and what you see in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the Democratic Party, you see some ideological divisions between the center and the left, right? The, the, the left says we need uh, to open our borders to anyone who needs to come here to be a refugee. People should have a path to citizenship. We shouldn't have this horrific corruption and deportation apparatus where families are separated and people are put in concentration camps. That's wrong. And the center thinks uh, we should do a study of that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Joe Biden is leading in the polls, uh, he, but he continues to face protest and criticism based on his uh, record of support over decades for segregationist deportations and mass incarceration. Uh, he says criticism of his cozy relationship with racists and segregationists uh, is misplaced because, in his words, quote, no one has done more for civil rights than me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that doing more would have involved doing less for segregationists. Like, there must be someone who's done the exact same for civil rights as Joe Biden, but who didn't also enthusiastically champion locking up millions of black people. Jo Joe Biden is the candidate for you if you don't believe in judging a political candidate based on what they have said and done, but instead based on their intentions, the proclaimed goodness in their heart, and their ability to tell a down-home folksy homily. That's, that's Joe Biden. Senator Kamala Harris, my senator from California, I live in San Francisco. She was district attorney in my city. Uh, she's brilliant and capable. She would be an excellent and eloquent manager of America as a planet-destroying capitalist empire. Um, she would be the most competent manager of that. She's the candidate for you. If you read about stuff that the Republicans do and say things like, this is not who we are, this is not us as a people, because you've never met a person from El Salvador or heard a Native American person, uh, it most definitely is us. It's so us that that's what the U.S. and USA stands for, is that it is us. Us is us assholes. That's USA. <laughs> Then one of the other top five is Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he is the candidate for you. If you want a candidate who is as willing to sacrifice any moral principle as a Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, but someone who is less good at it. If you, <laughs> if you want a politician to be like a TED Talk 
where all you have to do is say, huh, I never thought of that, as you drive your Tesla to a steakhouse while wishing that your city was not filled with homeless encampments, but think that the principal victims of homelessness are not homeless people, but middle class people who have to see homeless people because they smell bad. Uh, <laughs> but one of but the, NATO, the, he's yes. gay! <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, I, you gotta you mention know, that! <laughs> Here's the thing about being from San Francisco is that like no one in San Francisco, like San Francisco is, a, is you know, famously the gay capital. And so people in San Francisco are just sort of over the idea of uh, like it being a significant breakthrough to have the first gay president. Because in San Francisco, like most people have already been evicted by a gay person, like gay people are just fully <laughs> integrated into the establishment here. So there's no yeah, like there's progress, no further yeah. uh, achievement to make. The last one I wanted to talk to you about is Bernie Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders supporters are delightfully sentimental. Uh, they support wonderful democratic socialist policies like government-run health care, free college, and they want to pay for the expansion of such policies by taxing the 1%. They believe that our system is rigged to prevent those policies by a billionaire class that has corrupted democracy to serve its own interest, and that the way to defeat a corrupt system rigged by the rich is to boo at it. As Margaret Mead said, never underestimate the power of a small group of determined, thoughtful people with nut allergies booing at something to change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Um, now, they support universal health care and free college education because the cost of those things are increasing faster than wages. While, for instance, the cost of food, clothing, cars, and electronics are not increasing faster than wages, which is why there's growing public support for Medicare for All and free college, but not, for instance, support for universal seersucker suits and single-payer Bose Bluetooth noise-canceling headphones, which I also support. Uh, <laughs> And Bernie Sanders supporters are very enthusiastic about their candidate. Uh, and I, as I'm a, as a Jew, I understand why people would get so excited about a balding socialist Jewish man in his 70s. I think my dad is pretty great, too. Uh, uh, but I'm just used to him, so it doesn't get me wound up to be around a balding Jewish socialist man in his 70s. My dad would also be a good president as long as Air Force One maintains a steady supply of hard pretzels. <laughs> I smell another golden age, Andy. Uh, well, I'm going to vote for all of them as often as possible uh, in uh, next year's uh, election. Excitingly, um, it appears that uh, whoever wins the presidential election will have a new presidential seal. Uh, Donald Trump gave a speech to the conservative group Turning Point USA on Tuesday uh, in front of, um, w well, what appeared to be the presidential seal. Uh, but as it uh, turned out, was a, uh, well, I don't know, a, a, an alternative a fake, a, a prototype, an updating. Who knows what this will prove to be? There were certain key changes to it. Um, the uh, American eagle had been turned into a two-headed Russian eagle. Um, the uh, 13 arrows held by the eagle in the presidential seal turned into 13 golf clubs. The olive branch into a wad of cash. And the words, a pluribus unum out of many, one in Latin, had been turned into 45 is a puppet in Spanish. Um, now... I mean, people have assumed this was some kind of prank or a joke. I, is it not just America updating its iconography to better reflect what it is as a nation today? I thought there was interesting coverage from The Guardian on this. It said, in other words, a proud presidential symbol was apparently reworked to shame Trump over two of the biggest targets of anti-Trump criticism, Russian involvement in the 2016 election and excessive golfing. <laughs> Um, is that really one of the biggest elements of the anti-Trump criticism? Excessive golfing? I'm kind of ambivalent with the golfing thing compared to putting children in cages! 
Reminds me of the two biggest targets of anti-Hitler criticism, the Holocaust and the fact he didn't get enough protein. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the thing with... I mean, I, I go a different way on the golf. I think that's the best thing Trump has done. Imagine <laughs> if all that time he'd spent playing golf, he'd spent doing presidential stuff. Oh, God. The world would... I mean, I think it would probably have just cracked open by now. Right. I think, if anything, he has played significantly insufficient quantities of golf. Not enough. But I think this is a, it's a great new insignia for America, a, a two-faced Russian predator and a sport traditionally the preserve of conservative white men. How, how better could you express what America is about? <laughs> Heatwave news now, and, well, the big news here, apart from uh, uh, the new Prime Minister, is, um, well, apparently uh, we're being punished for choosing a new uh, Prime Minister with an absolutely appalling heatwave. Britain, and indeed Europe, if that still exists, indeed, now Boris is Prime Minister, I think it's been officially cancelled, uh, have been uh, suffering or enjoying record high temperatures, depending on your view of heat. Um, uh, record temperatures set in Belgium, Germany, the Netherlands, uh, also in, in Paris. Still think you can get by without the cooling influence of Britain after everything we've done for you. I'm getting confused. Um, Britain had its second hottest day ever. Uh, and uh, the hottest ever day, in fact, inside my head as I ponder the implications of a Johnson government. And how the hell I'm going to attempt to explain the last 10 years to my friend Frozen Errol, who cryonically froze himself in 2010 because he couldn't wait to see what the world was like in 2020. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Um, was he was he called Frozen Errol before he froze himself? <laughs> Always. <laughs> it's a weird guy that one. It's just the ten years. Yeah, so odd. It was hot. It was hot in London this week, Andy. It was hot. How it hot? was so hot. How hot was it, Tom? It was so hot. The London Eye was wearing sunglasses. It was so hot, Andy. Right. How hot? <laughs> Thank you. It was so hot on the Jack the Ripper tour. They said, you know, the real killer is this blooming heat, isn't it? <laughs> Gosh, it was so hot this week, Andy. How, how hot? It Precisely. was so hot, even English people were saying, this beer is too warm. <laughs> it was so hot. How, how It was so hot, Hampstead Heath was declared the world's first outdoor gay sauna. It was so hot. But precisely how hot? It was so hot, even Andy Zaltzman's comedy was considered to be on fire. Wow. That's how hot it was. That's, I mean, the, the rest I could take, but you just tipped over the edge into just outright nonsense. It was, um, I mean, just um, unpleasantly hot. The World Meteorological Organization, uh, a spokeswoman uh, from there said, uh, these extreme events are becoming more frequent, they're starting earlier and they're becoming more intense and it's a problem that is not going to go away, um, which is disappointing for me uh, and I don't think we should rule it out, it just disappearing, uh, despite all the scientific evidence. Climate, is it climate change or is it you know, just the free market at work? You know, because... Five hottest summers in history, well, five hottest summers since the year 1500 have all occurred this century, 2002, 2003, 2010, 2016, 2018, 2019, looks set to join it. Is it not just years setting an example and other years raising their game to meet it? Does it not just show that the result of the Cold War was entirely correct? NATO. Uh, fortunately, though, you don't have to deal with with the with humidity, right? It's it's a it's a it's just a pure racist heat is what you have there. <laughs> yeah, basically, just that. Caused a lot of trouble for the trains. Uh, there was transport chaos all around uh, London with the heat. Uh, it got so bad, East Midlands trains advised passengers not to travel. Which you know, that's really all passengers want to do, Andy. 
if passengers aren't travelling, they're just stays. Yeah. Aren't they? To be honest, that's just generally good advice on uh, most trains in this country. Don't travel. Don't travel. Well, travel broadens the mind, doesn't it? Yeah. And when you, you, I mean, that can only lead to disappointment. Now, in Australia, 82% of homes have air conditioning. In the UK, it's just 3% of homes have air conditioning, and 100% of UK homes have the shittest showers on the face of the planet. <laughs> I tried to have a cold shower to cool down this week. It was like being urinated on by a baby with kidney failure. It was nothing. You guys have got to sort that out, please. Projectiles news now, and, well, people have spent a, probably a lot of this week throwing things at things in the privacy of their own home. Certainly I've been doing that, and my television is heavily bruised. And when we all have a projectile, uh, Australia, um, Tom, has, uh, well, been, been, been cheekily, shall we say, exporting some of its projectile-flinging systems to the UAE. Yes, selling weapon systems uh, directly to the UAE's armed forces, an army that is currently liberating the absolute shit out of Yemen right now. (laughs) Um, And this is great news for Australia. Who says we don't play an important role in global events, Andy? We're a real country. We're not just an episode of The Simpsons, Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good. Think like a superpower, act like a superpower. (laughs) I think so. And up until now, Australia's arms trade has only consisted of making boomerangs and informing people what does and doesn't constitute a knife. So this is a big step up for us, and we're quite happy with it. The remote weapons system uh, is a collection of sensors and a swivelling mount set around a small cannon, heavy machine gun or missile launcher, ages four and up. It comes from a company based in Canberra called Electro Optic Systems, which really makes them sound like they make robotic eyes for people who have lost their eyes, as opposed to a company that makes things blow you up into tiny pieces the size of eyes. (laughs) So it's a little bit uh, misleading there. But it it had already been revealed that this company was selling weapon systems to the UAE, but, quote, the company had repeatedly declined to say if they were selling to military or civilian customers, which seems like an odd distinction. If you're buying a weapon systems attached to a small cannon, heavy machine gun or missile launcher, are you really still a civilian? (laughs) I think you've crossed over. How civil are you going to be? Well, you could do it as a hobby, can't you? (laughs) Yeah, hobbyists are key market these days for arms arms exporters. It's for duck hunting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in other projectiles news, um, we uh, well as a as a planet, we narrowly avoided getting um, absolutely hammered by an asteroid, um, hundred meters in diameter, clocking twenty four kilometers a second, missed the Earth by just seventy thousand kilometers. <sighs> Um, and to give you uh, some idea of how close that is, uh, that's more than 10 kilometres, but less than a million. Um, it was uh, f- between 57 and 130 metres Almost on holidays, everyone. Almost there. <laughs> it was between 57 and 130 metres across the asteroid. Could have had someone's eye out or destroyed the planet or somewhere in, in between. Described as a city-killer asteroid. Um but so small it was very hard to see. No sense of fair play out there, is there, from the universe. Um, uh, also some dispute over what asteroids are specifically. Um, current scientific thought is they are crumbs left over from God's rapidly eaten sandwich at lunch on day six of his, with hindsight, seriously over-hasty universe creation project. 
that gained him so many fans back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So, so if the asteroid hit the Earth, scientists projected the impact would be equivalent to 30 atomic bombs, and they named the asteroid Asteroid 2019. Okay, <laughs> just to give you a sense, if you're if you're not a scientist. Uh, NASA uses OK as a technical unit of measurement of how f we would be if the asteroid hit us. Uh, so, for example, OK is bigger than a smaller asteroid that would be at the eh level of impact. And a bigger asteroid would be, ah, oh, shit, Black Jesus, hold me, please. Not in the face, Mr. Asteroid, please. Uh, that's the that's the NASA ranking of asteroids. Um I was trying to get get my head around like how big it is because it it said a, a hundred meters and that's metric and you know I'm an American and I understand that so I was trying to figure out the conversions and a hundred meter uh, asteroid is about the size of a thirty story building uh, or your average Hilton hotel so the asteroid hitting the Earth would have the destructive power of dropping an entire Hilton on your city from a great height uh, which makes sense that they called it a city killer because multinational corporations catering to the whims of the rich are destroying urban life. Um, and if the asteroid did hit, it would also charge you $35 for a 10-ounce beer from the minibar. <laughs> so, but I don't think it's all bad. Like, we all know how serious an asteroid strike could be based on the 1998 uh, documentary Deep Impact uh, uh, where we learned that an asteroid strike would wipe out coastal cities, but we would end up with uh, Morgan Freeman as president. And I think that's worth some serious consideration. <laughs> the asteroid w uh, eluded detection because it came directly from the sun. And so it, it, it wasn't picked up on until the last uh, moment, which is exactly the same ingenious maneuver that Daenerys Targaryen used in the final season of Game of Thrones to hide her dragons in the sun to get the jump on uh, Euron Greyjoy and avoid his dragon-slaying crossbows. Uh, so the asteroid enjoyed the last season of Game of Thrones. So what are you nerds complaining about? <laughs> I believe uh, the U.S. has already blamed Iran for the asteroid, um, which seems a little unfair to me. Um, apparently it was planning on hitting the Earth, but then saw Boris Johnson becoming a PM and going, whoa, don't want to get involved. Dodge that bullet. But rumour has it that waiting for another similar asteroid to actually hit the Earth and wipe out the entire population of Ireland is Boris's favoured plan to resolve the issue with the Irish border, uh, which does seem more likely than sorting out the backstop situation. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, of this uh, this bugle. Um, I hope we've covered every story that um, that you wanted to hear this week. And if not, uh, just make some up of your own in, in the the blank bit of the bugle that we mentioned earlier. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave. We're going to leave 15 seconds of silence now for you to you to do some of your own bugle for once. Is that 15 yet? How, how, how much longer do I need to leave? Another couple. There, stop. Right. There we go. I hope you feel that with uh, some absolute gold. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. Um, the Bugle will be off for the next couple of weeks. We will um, put out uh, some uh, sub-bugles in the meantime. Uh, then we'll be back uh, with the live live shows from the Edinburgh Festival on the 16th of August and the 19th of August. You're doing the 19th, I think, aren't you, Tom? I sure am. Yes, with Alice. And Nish is doing the 16th with TBC. Um, <laughs> and uh, I love this stuff. <laughs> They're great. Yeah. They popped up a few times in today's script, actually, yeah. I think, TV too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, don't forget to come and see the Edinburgh shows of all the Bugle co-hosts uh, who will be there. Tom, plug your show. I'll bloody be there. Uh, I'm doing a show called Enough every night of the Fringe at the Monkey Barrel at 9pm. Uh, I will be doing um, Satirist for Hire at the Stand at 4pm, I think. <laughs> I do this every f***ing week. I still can't remember what it is. Um, I've had a busy summer and I'm very tired. Um, busy summer? You've been sitting around all day watching cricket, yeah, mate! Yeah, but I've been watching it in a busy way. Oh, God. Um, uh, from the 13th to the 25th. Let's go with that, roughly. No idea. That's ballpark it. Uh, Political Animal will be on most nights at the stand from the uh, 13th until, I think, the 22nd. And so there's those two live bugle shows. I mean, the thing is, the key to selling your show in Edinburgh is to make people think they they have to do a little bit of work themselves to find out when it's on. You don't yeah, want to put it all on a plate. 4.30, you're on. Get them actively. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's later than I was expecting. <laughs> Um, send your uh, satirical request to satirise this at satiristforhire.com and I will have them ready for 4pm every day, half an hour before showtime. <laughs> Very unlikely. Fans, don't bet on it. <laughs> all right? Do support all all the uh, Bugle co-hosts uh, who will be there, including uh, Tom. NATO, anything, uh, any shows you'd like to plug for our listeners? The main thing I want to plug, I want to make sure the Buglers know about my album. Uh, that my, I have a comedy album called The Whiteness Album. Uh, that is available wherever comedy can be streamed and downloaded. And um, much. I just published a story, actually, this week at therumpus.net. The title of the story is Introducing LaMoisha and Hezbollah Schoenfeld. It's a a funny and sad story about the decision to give my daughters my wife's last name and how my grandfather was angrier about that than he was about the Holocaust. Um, thank you very much uh, for listening. Um, sorry if I've been slightly off my absolute peak form today. You've been great, Andy. You're always on fire. You're, you're too kind. Um, thanks, uh, Tom. Delightful, as always, to have you uh, on the show. Um, and I mean, enjoy the time you've got before burning in the eternal there fires of hell. There it is. Um, <laughs> uh, NATO, uh, thanks again. Uh, do come back on soon. Uh, Buglers will be back uh, with a full show in three weeks. There will be two weeks of Subbugles uh, to come. And if you want to join the voluntary subscription scheme, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click donate. And we will play you out, as always, with lies about some of our voluntary subscribers. Alex Hoffman wishes eating carrots was considered as cool and seductive as smoking cigarettes used to be back in the 1950s. Alex absolutely loves carrots. Jonathan Munro wrote a computer program that averaged out all recipes in the world to formulate one single dish. The result, a little surprisingly, was a tin of spam inside a watermelon. Thomas Tebalt wishes more trains went choo-choo instead of honk. Not all progress is progress. On reflection, Thomas wouldn't even mind if cars went choo-choo these days instead of vroom, each to their own. Jack Horton thinks the world might be a happier, calmer place if everyone was legally obliged to spend 15 minutes every day sitting on a bench, thinking quietly to themselves, and then making polite conversation for an additional five minutes with any passerby. L.F. Turner is impressed by that idea and would add that people should donate all their spare chairs to a communal chair library so more people can spend more time sitting down and that some of those surplus chairs could even be bolted together to make benches for the bench scheme. 
Belinda Copeland has analysed all the how many questions posed by Bob Dylan, the renowned singer-songwriter and no-time chorister of the year, in his hit song Blowing in the Wind, and has calculated that the average answer is 21.57. This prompted Chris Norman to notice that that is also the test match bowling average of the great England cricketer Freddie Truman. Could that be purely coincidence, wonders Chris, those two giants of the 1960s unified by a number? Yes, chips in Rich the Bugleaster, pointing out that in fact only 2.61% of coincidences have any real relevance. But hang on, interrupts Amir Shema, 2.61 runs per over was Fred Truman's test match economy rate, and it's hard to imagine the great Yorkshire fast bowler cropping up in two statistics to two decimal places without it proving the existence of some form of God. Rich the Bugleaster concedes this point and says that it proves that God probably loves cricket and might come from Leeds. Here endeth the lies. Amen. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>